Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011. From multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half, how'd you get And you described that his head kind of exploded yes. when you hit I, him. Yes, I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. Go, go, go. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning, and then 45 minutes later, she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. Hey, this is Robert J. O'Neill. Welcome to the Operator Podcast. I put out Last time that I would like to get some input, and I appreciate your input, I put it on Instagram, at Makuya and at The Operator Podcast. Uh, I wanted to see what you guys want to talk about, and so I'm going to do my best to answer some some questions today. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, SEAL training, because people want to know about SEAL training. I will get into SEAL Team 6 eventually, uh, and that'll be a lot of fun, how it all starts. Uh, I wanted to talk about my first day at SEAL Team 6 the commanding officer came into the room and he told us that we were embarking on a freight train going 100 miles an hour. And you can stay as long as you like, but once you get off, the train's going to keep going. And that's pretty good advice, too, because right now there are guys I'm assuming I still work with out there today doing stuff that we don't know about and being um, very brave and, and all that. Uh, he also said that when we got out of the Navy, when we get done at SEAL Team 6, we if we work together, we could all be millionaires. But it's never going to happen. That's just because of the way it is. And I'm not, I'm not sure how to explain that. I think it, it could be just because of the alpha mentality at SEAL Team 6. Not every SEAL that you've heard of, not every Navy SEAL that you've heard of was at SEAL Team 6. It's a different place. The SEAL teams were originally started with SEAL Team 2 on the East Coast and SEAL Team 1 on the West Coast, Coronado and Virginia Beach. Uh, they fought in Vietnam, all that good stuff. And there's like a running joke between the old timers that says SEAL Team 2 is actually the first SEAL team because there's a three-hour time difference, and they, they started first. I guess, you know, whatever whatever that means. But SEAL Team 6 was actually started right around 1980. Commander Richard Marcinko called it 6 because the Russians would say, okay, we know about SEAL Team 1 and 2 and 6. Where the hell are 3, 4, and 5? So to get to SEAL Team 6, it takes quite a bit, and I'll cover it in a, in a later later episode, but we all would be millionaires if we worked together, and I hope that someday we will. Um, and you know, some of the questions I've been getting asked, too, about um, you know other other Navy SEALs that were on a lot of the big missions. They, uh, Navy SEALs did a lot of stuff, and obviously everyone did a lot of stuff. Delta did a lot of stuff. Marines are great. Army, Infantry, Air Force, everyone's done stuff. They, um, they asked about, uh, especially the Bin Laden raid, what other guys are saying, how I interact with them still. And I hope personally, we had 23 guys on the ground. Well, we had 23 guys on the ground at first, and then we added a few when the first helicopter crash landed. Uh, that's a story for them. And I hope that it won't happen, but I hope that every guy that was on that mission, including the pilots and the air crew in the helicopters and the other SEALs 
and special operators in the other helicopters, as well as those pilots and that air crew tell their stories. As long as uh, no tactics are given away, time's on target, how fast we can get places and, and the uh, capabilities that we have, if it's cleared, which you know, which uh, should be done with any book you're written and no one's going to be in danger. I think people should know what happens as accurately as possible because especially nowadays, you know, we don't know what's what and what's the truth. But I love uh, reading history. I'm very happy that George Washington had a um, uh, someone recording the minutes when they crossed the Delaware to fight the Hessians. It's good to know your history. Good to know what really happened. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. That's that's how it works. Um and I'm addressing some other stuff too, as far as the the silent professional and stuff like that. I actually I was looking for a good joke, and I didn't. I can't take credit for this, but it was a pretty funny joke because there is inter-service rivalry, fun stuff in between. You know, the, you get you see stuff on the internet like who's better, Navy SEALs or Delta. That's you know that just happens to be which way you went, where you joined, which branch you went into. There's there's studs everywhere. Um, but one, you know, everyone always says the silent professional. But you'll notice if you go into a bookstore, there's a huge section of military biographies, and I'm very happy it's there. But I'm not the first guy to write a book. People wrote before me, and I hope they do after. You need to to know the stories. Um, but I heard a fun joke. I was looking it up. They said uh, a marine, a guy from Delta Force, and a Navy SEAL walk into a bar. The marine orders a beer. The guy from Delta Force orders a really good whiskey. And the Navy SEAL writes a book about it. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. And again, it's going to, um, it, it matters which place you joined and why. I'm, I'm a believer in the butterfly effect. I was thinking about this the other day, and it's kind of freaky. Uh, how I got to where I am today, how I got to where I was, even at SEAL Team 2, then to SEAL Team 4 and SEAL Team 6. But how it all started, and I was thinking back to growing up in Montana. We had a place, uh, uh, like a double-wide trailer, on a lake called Georgetown Lake. And I love going up there. I love to fish for rainbow trout off the dock. And I was, this was an, I was in eighth grade and I was uh, playing football. I was, a, I was a big football fan. I was a Redskins fan, a Washington Redskins fan at the time. You know, now at 46 years old, I'm a man without a team because the Redskins are gone, but we can get into that at a different time. But uh, I was a Redskins fan. I love football. And I was, I was, we just started practicing the first few weeks. I'm at Butte Central Junior High in Butte, Montana. And I was doing pretty well. I was playing, I was trying to play linebacker. And uh, one Friday, I skipped practice to go to Georgetown Lake for a long weekend. My, you know, my, my mom's going to go up there. I'm going to ride with her. And I think my, my brother and sisters are coming. So we went up there. I skipped practice on Friday. And then I waited for my friend to meet me up there. He came up, I think, later Friday night. If not, it was uh, Saturday morning. His name was Mark. He was on the football team, and he, he, he said something like, yeah, you were, you know, you were going to start at middle linebacker on, at our game next week, but because you skipped practice on Friday, we're going to start another guy. Mick is starting, and you know, Coach Hoagie, Coach Hogarth said you're not going to start. And I didn't start. I finished the season, didn't care for it, and I didn't play football again. And I start to wonder, what if I, what if I liked football, and what if I was good at it? You know, what, what if, what if I got a scholarship after high school to like Montana Tech, where I went for a year to play basketball? Maybe I never would have joined the Navy. Maybe everything would have been fine, but I didn't. And because of shit like that, I ended up joining the Navy. Ended up going to SEAL Team Two. Ended up everywhere. You know, maybe that all happened because of the butterfly effect. That happened uh, in eighth grade at Georgetown Lake in Butte, Mon or sorry, up in near Anaconda, Montana. Or I could just be full of shit. 
And that's that. And it was fun growing up there. I, I did get some questions. I'm not just spitballing here. Uh, what what it was like growing up in Montana? It was you know one of those things where we we would hunt. It was hunting season. There was basketball season. There was free throws. There's a story of um, do everything like you do anything. And if I could describe life in a word or in a phrase, it would be free throws. Because you want to do the not necessarily you want to do the same team in li- thing in life every single time, but with free throws, if you want to be good at it. Do it a thousand times. If you want to be great, do it ten thousand times. Repetition, repetition, repetition. Um, keep practicing. And, and you know, my dad and I would shoot free throws every single day. You can't leave the gym until you make twenty free throws. And then when the R season started, if you make twenty, you get to leave the gym. Didn't matter how long it took. We're not leaving until one of us makes twenty free throws in a row. Start on a, on a make. Uh, but we also at the beginning of the season, twenty free throws is a steak dinner at the Derby. But it goes up by increments of five. It's always 20 free throws to leave the gym in a row, but it's 25 now to get a stake. And then it goes to 30 and then 35. Uh, 20 to leave the gym, then it's 40, 45. And we actually got to the point where I think my dad set the family record with 91 free throws in a row. And I ended up breaking the family record the following week at Montana Tech, actually, with 105 in a row. Not in a game. This is just with my dad and me. But that was one of those things where repetition. It's like going to the range, the way you're going to shoot, the way you get your mechanics down, free throws. I was dribble, 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 backspin, and then shoot. And then once you make your first shot, you don't do that crap again. Stay where you are and then keep shooting. Doesn't matter if you look at the rim. Doesn't matter if you look at the ball. Try to do the same thing over time. So we shot free throws. We played basketball growing up, um, and we hunted. I uh, would go hunting for elk. The first elk I ever got and I'll post a picture of this, was when my father and I went to Gardner, Montana at a place called Point of Rocks. I think it was called Point of Rocks. And there was some weird storm. The elk were crossing Yellowstone. We went up on horseback. <laughs> I had a broken leg. I, I, I broke my leg. This is when I'm a sophomore in high school. Broke my leg. Couldn't play basketball. Went up on a, um, in a cast. And um, we, uh, we got an elk. I got an elk the very first day. My dad got a huge elk. We were actually in Guns and Hunting magazine i have a copy of it around here somewhere i'll be sure to show that but you know i grew up hunting stuff like that and never intended to join the navy but just like the butter reflect on a butterfly effect on a whim in college i um and i've told this story before uh i joined i wanted to leave town because it was that time and and you you have something very in common with that everywhere that i went after joining the navy and leaving because i thought i was unique saying um I just got to get out of here. I just got to get out of here. But everyone's saying that. Wherever you are, people think they just need to get out of here. And that's the case. I just got to get out of here. And then wherever you go, I don't care if you're an expert at something, you've had your first day and you sucked at it, but you stayed and you got used to it. That's the same with pretty much everything. Um, Join the Navy. And again, getting back into the difference between the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, um, the Marines, it pretty much just matters which one you join, and then you sort of get into that culture. I joined the Navy because I tried to join the Marine Corps, and the Marine recruiter wasn't there. I've covered this before. Um, and then I went to SEAL training. And uh, right now what I'm getting asked is, um, what does it take? One of the common things is people want to hear more BUDS stories. BUDS is basic underwater demolition SEAL training, or BUDS, and that's the course everyone needs to go through to get in. And some friends of mine and I, and you've seen some of them like McTeams or Ray Cash Care, uh, Frog Logic on Instagram, Marcus Luttrell, obviously, you know, I know these guys well, and we've talked about it, but we kind of brush over it because we figure everyone knows what Buds is, but it's not the case. Not everyone's been to Buds. Not everybody knows that you don't become a SEAL right after Hell Week, that you need to go to a team. Not, not everyone knows that, um, that SEAL Team 6 is, is one of two Tier 1 units. They don't know that stuff. So, so I'm getting asked, you know, everything from what does it take to prepare to go to BUDS to 
Um, what does it take to go through buds, the mindset? What's a common day at SEAL training? So I'm kind of going to go through that. Uh, the minimum standards to get through buds, to, to get accepted to buds, to get orders to SEAL training when you're in the Navy is a, is a physical readiness test, I think. It's, it might not be a PRT. It's a selection test. Some shit like that. It's a test you fucking take to get into BUDS. You do it at boot camp. And I was looking it up today because obviously it was harder when I went through. But right now it's a, a 50... Sorry. Right now it's a 500-yard swim with no fins in a pool. Uh, you can use either the side stroke or the breast stroke. Then you get out and you do 42 push-ups. And they're just, you know, good push-ups. 50 sit-ups followed by, you know, it's a two-minute rest in between, followed by uh, six pull-ups and then a 1.5 mile-and-a-half run in boots um, around a track. In, I think it's a le- it was 11.30, I think, or 11 minutes, something like that. That's it. Um, now, you're doing that at boot camp, but what you should be doing before boot camp is getting ready for buds. And people were asking me what it takes to get ready for buds. In order to get through BUDS, I think there's a difference between getting through BUDS and being a Navy SEAL on combat missions. In order to get through BUDS, people read all kinds of weird shit on the internet and everyone's got an idea of what to do. If you can be in shape when you get to BUDS, that is a good thing. You want to be able to run, but I would not recommend running in boots. You do, you'll get plenty of time to run in boots at BUDS in the sand. I would recommend learning how to run in the sand. But do it in shoes. There's there's a definitely a technique in soft sand. Learn how to do that. If you can get in any kind of sand, I don't care if it's on the beach. Try to find sand dunes. Try to find sand somewhere. You know, and and you know, hike in the mountains or something like that. Get used to it. Uh, learn how to swim. That's very important in SEAL training. Uh, I didn't know how to swim when I signed the dotted line, but I did learn by going to a pool, and I was fortunate enough to swim with a buddy of mine named Mike Driscoll who went to Notre Dame to swim, and then Jim McBride, who was two years ahead of me in high school, who became a Marine, and then he was, in, he was an air crewman in the Marine Corps. Uh, they swim in air crew school, and he, we actually went up to, to um, Montana Tech to learn how to swim. He taught me how to swim, showed me what the side stroke looked like, whatnot, things like that, um, without fins. And then I would recommend learning to swim with fins. You're going to take the PRT without fins, and that's pretty much the only time you don't swim with fins. Every other time is going to be with fins, especially in the ocean. You want to have fins there, and you'll swim in the pool with fins. Get used to swimming with, um, with fins. Uh, what I would do when I was, when I was uh, there, I, I, I remember not knowing how to swim, and I didn't know how hard pull-ups were. And I have, like, long arms, uh, a big head, which has nothing to do with, with uh, pull-ups. But, I, you know, when I first joined, I figured, you know, I'll go down to the park and learn how to do pull-ups. Pull-ups are hard. Uh, but pull-ups are simple. You know, you, you, the way you do them in SEAL training is put your hands forward, and then you're going to do a pull-up, put your chin over, and then come back down and do another one. Uh, I sucked at them, but uh, the easiest way to get good at pull-ups is to do more pull-ups. So uh, I had a pull-up bar made in my basement at my mom's house, and I went out and bought a cheesy little boombox. I listened to Guns N' Roses and I think Smashing Pumpkins and just did pull-ups and started to try to do pull-ups over and over pull-ups. And then once you get good at pull-ups um, – do more pull-ups. You can never do too many pull-ups. If you get to the point where you can do 10 sets of 10, start putting weight on. Do weighted pull-ups. And that's what I would do. And then I would run. Uh, I got some tennis shoes, and I would run. there From my house to a stoplight down by my cousin's house was a mile. So I would run down there, run a mile, and then I would run back. And I would, I would run it fast. You need to run seven and a half minute miles at Bud's at the end. 
uh, four in a row. So I, you know, try to get it as fast as you can. Learn how to run in shoes. Run, do pull-ups, get good at push-ups, and you know, get a good core. If you need to do core workouts, planks, get good at core. There's nothing wrong with that. But be in a position where you know how to swim and you can run. And the difference between swimming and running is swimming is technique. You know, the water can pull on you. It's all about being hydro um, dynamic. Can you know? A lot of people will swim and they're they're hurting themselves by doing too many movements. It is kick, stroke, and glide. Um, if you can swim freestyle, that's awesome. If you can do the other strokes, that's awesome. You're going to be doing side stroke for timed swims and buds with fins. You're going to be doing side stroke and breaststroke for the to pass the test. So get good at those kick, stroke, glide. If you need to take lessons, I would actually recommend that. We we actually got to a point at SEAL Team Two where we would bring in. Uh, swimmers, like real swimmers or, you know, Navy SEALs who, who swam in college and teach us the technique to swim. We'd hire guys to teach us how to swim as Navy SEALs because you're going to be more efficient. So learn how to swim. Also, um, you should learn how to run, like I said, in soft sand. Um, if you want to try it out with boots, fine, but I would recommend not because you don't want to get shin splints. But the difference between running and swimming is running is technique. No. Swimming is technique. Running is heart. Running is in your gut. You can run as fast as you want for as long as you want. It's up to you. And uh, that's just, you know, something that you, you know, you got, you got to get over. You got to learn how to run. If there is techniques to running, obviously to sprinting and stuff like that, you need to be able to run four miles in the, uh, in the sand in uh, 7.30 eventually. So that's, that's kind of the way that works. All the other stuff is great if you, um, you know, if you're hitting pads, you're doing MMA, that's kick-ass cardio, and it's just good for life. Know how to whoop someone's ass if you need to. Uh, some of the stuff people are doing, like, uh, you know, um, if you see people doing high reps with high weight of deadlifts, that's going to fuck your back up, you know, stuff like that. But be in good physical shape to pass the test when you get there. Another common thing that I've heard, you know, people will ask me, what do you need to do to become a Navy SEAL to get ready for SEAL training? And I will answer their question with a question. I will say, what are you doing? to get ready for SEAL training. And a common answer, believe it or not, is, well, I'm taking cold showers to get used to it. And I will stop them right there and say, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Don't do that. And here's a reason why. You don't, there are certain things you don't get used to. One of my jokes, and I've seen it on the internet, this one's mine though, that if I told you in 30 days, I'm going to kick you in the nuts as hard as I can, and in order to get ready for it, Every day from now until then, you had your best friend kick you in the nuts as hard as he can. Guess what? It's still going to suck when I do it. So there's no reason to put yourself in pain that's not going to help. Embrace the suck when it gets there. And that's pretty much it. Get in good physical shape. Don't kill yourself. But be in the shape to be cardio. Um, you're going to do stuff like running obstacle courses and things like that. Just uh, you know, be in cardio shape, learn how to swim, and have a positive attitude. As soon as you get to SEAL training, it, well, okay, let's back up. When you join, and, and the, when I joined at the time, I had a buddy of mine named Eric. We call him Smooth. He joined the Army, and he gave me some good advice for joining the military because he didn't do it, is get it in writing. Whatever you want to do, get it in writing. And your recruiter, it turns out, is not there to help you. The recruiter, he or she is there to fill a quota because they have a boss, and the boss is going to yell at them for not filling it. Um, the Army used to do pretty well at... Um, recruiting. Not so much now, and we can get into that later. Uh, the Marine Corps is managing. Everyone else is kind of hurting. So now more than ever, recruiters are busting their ass saying anything to get you in. And they will say, well, we don't have that available now, but we do have this. And once you get there, you can volunteer. 
and I'll talk you through. That's a bunch of nonsense. Get what you need to do in writing. If you, you can always turn around and leave. If you haven't signed anything, you can turn around and leave, and magically your phone will ring probably before you get home and they found a slot. Get it in writing. Um, so I got mine in writing, and uh, uh, got, I signed up for what's called the Dive Ferrer program. And um, I was in decent cardio shape, and I went to boot camp. And uh, I talked about it before, you know, met a bunch of people from different places, and then uh, did get through boot camp. I passed the test. I talked about that earlier, the, the, the swim, push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, run, uh, got orders to bust. And, and here's another one, too, that I, I found interesting, and, and people may disagree with me. They, you know, the, the, min, the minimum standards, you know, minimum push-ups is 42 push-ups. And they say, always do more to prove you're not just doing the bare minimum. And that's fine. But I don't think in boot camp that really matters. I don't think you're going to pass. They, if you pass the test, they're going to give you orders. And no one's going to call from Great Lakes to Coronado and say, well, you know, uh, uh, Smith over here only did 42 push-ups. So watch it. They don't give a fuck. They're instructors. They're SEALs. And they're on shore duty. They don't care. But do pass your test. When you get there, maybe do a couple extra or whatever. Or, or do as many as you can. If you're a complete stud and want to knock out 30 pull-ups instead of six, do it. Just don't do so much that you fail to run, you know? Pass the test. Get in. Uh, I'm not advocating the bare minimum for anything. I'm just saying be smart about being stupid, whatever. And if people want to say something about that, that's fine. So uh, you get out to Bud's. I went out to Bud's. I talked about it briefly. And a question I've been getting, and this is where it gets fun, is what is a common day at Bud's? So a common day at Bud's is when you first get there, there's a thing called uh, PTRR, which is uh, physical training, rest, and relaxation. It used to be when I went through. Anyway, um, and I don't, I don't know if they do it now. They have something. But they're going to get sort of get you ready for what they call one one day. And one one day is your first day, first week, your first day of basic underwater demolition SEAL training. And the way that starts is this is not like boot camp. This is a new place where, like the drill instructors, the DIs, the drill sergeants, whatever, they don't come into your room and wake you up, you know, a bunch of dudes in starched uniforms and kick-ass hats hitting the garbage can with a baton. Nonsense like, I'm not nonsense, but they're not doing that. Um, You're expected to be on the grinder as a full class, and PT starts at 4 a.m. on day one. That's your first evolution. So what does your class need to do to get there and be in line, full head count? You have a muster, full head count. Um, 4 a.m., you're starting. So the way it's broken down is you will have a class leader, and that is usually an officer. And it normally stays an officer unless all the officers quit, which happens. And then it will be the senior enlisted. So you'll have an officer and you'll have an LPO. The LPO is standardly, standardly is not a word, is generally an E6 until that E6 quits, which is usually the first week. And then it goes down the line, E5, and then to whatever. So you have a class leader and then you have your LPO, your leading petty officer, which is sort of a breakdown in the Navy anyway. And then we break them down into boat crews. So a boat crew is going to be seven people, three on each side, one in the back. The boat crew leader is in the back, and there's three dudes on each side. And that means when you're in a boat crew, you carry your boat. When you get to Hell Week, you carry your boat on your head everywhere you go, but that's your boat crew, and that's the way we're going to keep order. So that when um, the, the LPO, the leading petty officer, asks for boat crews to count up, let's say we start with 13 boat crews. The boat crew leader from 13 will say 13 is up, meaning we're good. 12 is up. 11's up, 10's up, and you go that way so that you can go to the LPO. We have a full head count. He tells the uh, the um, officer in charge, the OIC, and that's when you go from wherever you are, you run as a class, singing your cadence to the grinder, 
And the grinder is a big cement slab where we will do our first workout. So we did all that before we got there on time at 4 a.m. sharp. You better fucking be there. Like you want to be running in with a minute to go uh, get in there. Now, there, there is stuff that happens before this. So you're sleeping in your rooms. And the way that it worked, again, they weren't barracks. The, at first, we were in uh, a building with two bunk beds in each room. So four dudes per um, room. Uh, and so you got to get up in the morning, brush your teeth, whatever the shit you want to do to get ready to get down there. Because you want to probably do your head count at 3.30 a.m. in case you're going to lose some people. I know motherfuckers that were late the first day of Buds, and they were late when we were at Red Team, SEAL Team 6. Doesn't matter. Um, but I had to do some... Uh, I, one of my concerns, believe it or not, is uh, a sunburn. I can get severely sunburned. I had to get up early to put on sunscreen because eventually we're going to be in the sun, and I don't want to fail. I thought I was going to fail training either because of failing a swim because I wasn't very good or because of fucking sunscreen. And these are little things. So uh, sunscreen's on, teeth are brushed. You don't need to worry about combing your hair because your fucking head is shaved. And then uh, all the... the um, the, the way the boat crews are arranged is by height. So boat crew one is the tallest dudes. So you got your guys that are mm, six four, six three, and to 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 six one. Then boat crew two is the next, and then the smallest, the shortest guys are in uh, what we call the Smurf crew, and they're the shortest dudes. And um, I, I'm gonna get into Hell Week with the shortest guys because Hell Week is a bunch of races, but. If you don't win a race, but there's a saying, it pays to be a winner. If you don't win a race, if you lose a race, you get extra attention, which is a very nice way to say we are going to continue to fuck you up while everyone else is done. If you ever meet two SEALs, two Navy SEALs, and one's tall and one's short, and you have a chance to fight one of them, fight the tall guy because the short guy is tough as nails, and that's the truth. So so here's a typical day at Bud's. We, uh, you know, Sunscreen is on, hair is not brushed, but the teeth are. You run in there, uh, day one one is pretty different because I think a lot of instructors come in because they know, in my case, it was Buzz class 208. 208 just classed up. This is one one day. Uh, they have the white shirts under the greens. We had greens at the time, and a white shirt is a T-shirt you wear under un your uniform, and uh, that is significant because a white shirt hasn't been through Hell Week, and you know that. A brown shirt has been through Hell Week. Not that the instructors give a fuck, but it's just, you know, that dude made it through Hell Week, so the chances of him making it through training are pretty good. So we're white shirts. We run in there, and other instructors came in because Bud's Class 208 is going to start, and they start dropping the fucking hammer off the bat. So you're doing everything from, uh, you start, you know, obviously with um, anything from 8 to 10 to 12 count bodybuilders. You're doing uh, all kinds of weird warm-ups, but you're getting sprayed with the hose. Um, you're doing uh, push-ups, sit-ups. You're doing um, a lot of flutter kicks. Seals are famous for flutter kicks, and that's the workout where you lay on your back and you uh, you kick your legs. You know, one, two, three, one, one, two, three, two. Flutter kicks, and you really don't. I don't think you're allowed to put your hands under your butt. So your 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 tailbone is scraping against. This is to start. Your tailbone is scraping against the cement. So this is the very first part of life sucking. You start to get a cut. You start to get an abrasion, and eventually it starts to bleed, and over the course of the next 26 weeks, it turns into uh, a big scab that breaks off. We actually call this a grinder reminder, and that's one of the little things that sucks. So you do these calisthenics, and every now and then, they're hitting you with the hose. They're telling you how bad you are. They're telling you that you suck. They're filling you with negative reinforcement. 
You're starting to disbelieve whether or not you can even make it. It's day one, one, and it's not even breakfast time yet. And in between that, you're running out of the grinder when you can't do anything from neck raises to you're not doing your arm fucking rotations right. They send you to the surf. You run the 500 meters there. You better come back as a sugar cookie, which is wet and sandy. Roll around in the sand. Uh, that's uh, running back and forth, up and over doing. So your heart rate's going. It's exciting because now you started. Before all this bullshit you were doing, you're you're not moving at all towards graduation. But now you've started. Now the clock is ticking. However, you can't see graduation because it's one one day. They beat your ass from 4 a.m. until 5 a.m., maybe 5.15 because normally, especially one one day, we didn't do a good enough job. We didn't do everything right, so they're going to beat us a little bit more. So they take you out in the sand, and they beat you up, and that's everything from on your back, on your feet, on your back, on your feet, on your belly, on your feet, on your back, on your feet. Um, and then they do that for a while. They put you in the surf zone to kind of wash you off, and then you get to go to chow. So now it's time for breakfast. One one day, we just got our ass handed to us for an hour, hour and a half. We're running to chow. And when I say running, I mean we're doing what's called the bud shuffle, and that is just a very annoying um, run in formation that you kind of see you know, when people are running and singing cadence, you see it in the movies and whatever. And so we're singing the whole way and we run a mile to the chow hall and then you have breakfast. And uh, if you think about that, you run a mile to chow and then you got to run a mile back. So you do that three times a day. If my math is correct, uh, that's six miles a day you're running to eat. That's it, just to eat. So that's six miles a day. We'll just, we'll add that up later. So you go to breakfast and uh, now here's the deal. You've seen movies like G.I. Jane, maybe, um, her name was O'Neill with one L. I don't think I didn't get shit for that because she filmed it right before I went to Bud's. Um, good movie, by the way. Um, but you go in GI Jane. They were had they had people eating out of trash cans. Not the case at all. They they will you can. There's like four or five different courses every single meal plus the accoutrement, uh, the shit that comes with it, the sides, whatnot, and the you know water, Gatorade, soda. You can eat as much as you want. You can eat your ass off. You're going to burn 10 to 15,000 calories a day, so you better keep your body fueled. Having said that, as soon as you're done eating, you're running a mile back in the bud shuffle, you're crossing the compound, then you're going to start work again. So an example, we'll say this is Monday, day 1-1. One, one. You, you get your ass whipped, a PT's done at 5, 5.15, you run a mile to chow, you eat your chow as much as you want, run a mile back, you, you, you get your shit together, um, and then you get a head count. And let's say, for example, on Monday now, it's time for, ooh, the first room inspection. So we're going to say the room inspection is at 7 a.m., and that means everything from you're in your room with your four buddies, and you should have spent the weekend stripping and waxing the deck, getting it clean, cleaning off horizontal surfaces, make sure your room is right and tight, make sure your beds are made, and everything from the, the UDT vest that you wear on a swim, which is a life preserver, to your fucking knife, clean, no rust, nothing. They're going to look through it. Um, and so you, a lot of people waste their first, second, third weekend instead of go, you do get weekends off. You need it to recover, but a lot of guys stay in the room, just cleaning it, making it sharp. Uh, I did not, I would go to Horton Plaza. I would watch movies realizing that we can strip and wax the deck on Sunday afternoon. We're not passing the first inspection. No one passes the first inspection, but 7am you, um, you're waiting for it. And these instructors come in like a fucking hurricane. Everything's ready. Your boots are shined. And these are boots that you bought. Uh, and had, like you can have them professionally signed. And they actually had a place called A.B. Brights right down on Imperial Beach where you could bring your dress greens. And now it's probably going to be your dress um, uniform, your camouflage shit, have them professionally cleaned, dry cleaned. And I'm sure someone's going under the table with A.B. Brights because we've spent so much money. Uh, you got to figure there's 227 guys in my class. Every single dude gets two uniforms. 
whatever, they're making money hand over fist. You're not going to pass your inspection. As soon as you're first, they come in hollering and they're yelling. Like I saw instructors come in and with a handful of sand and throw it at the ceiling and say, how the fuck did you get sand on the ceiling? And they'll, you know, whatever. You're getting your ass whooped. You're doing push-ups and nonsense in the room. Everyone goes to the surf zone. You fail your first room inspection in 20 seconds. You're out. You run to the surf zone. All the shit you spent all this time cleaning, your room's just shithole. Uh, mattresses are flying everywhere. It's done. Um, you're in the surf with your new shit. Your boots are ruined. Once you get your shine boots in the salt water, you're, they're done. You're, good luck shining those again. You get hammered. They beat the piss out of you. So that's about, uh, you know, 7 to 7.30... 7.45, and they're beating you the whole time. So it's push-ups, beat, and everything. You know, if they drop you, I, it's at first, I think it's 20 push-ups at, at a time. You know, drop, you do 20, um, whatever. And that goes up as the phases go on. So this is, a, this is still first phase. You get your ass whooped, and then it's 7.30, I guess, if my time's off. Uh, you better hurry up, 7.30, 7.45, because it's 8 a.m. is time for log PT. So log PT is going to be you go out to the surf zone and – you have these logs set up. They look like telephone poles. And you split it up by um, boat crew. So your boat crew has a log. And the log weighs about, I would say, 150 pounds. And you're doing workouts. Log PT is, is uh, you know, your logs next to you. Your boat crew's on one side. And they will give you different orders. There's different positions. One, two, three. And I might be screwing this up. But, like, one is pick it up. Two is over your head. Three is on this shoulder and whatever. And they'll hold you there. And... They're working your shoulders. It's all a cardio workout. And then you do stuff like you all carry it on one shoulder and we'll run around the dive tower. So everyone's running and everything's a race. So run around that comeback. Um, everyone on their backs, put the log across the boat crew. You're doing sit-ups. You're, so you're doing this from, you know, whatever, 8 o'clock to 9, 9.30, something like that. Um, and what we're also learning, too, that if, you, if, if you're not putting out for your team, you know, I mentioned earlier – don't kill yourself with the with the physical readiness test. But now you're with your team and you're with your boat crew and you can tell who's not putting out, who's not holding their weight, who's being a puss, who's starting to cry. And boat crews notice, guys notice, and they're all trying to make it through and they start getting pissy with each other, start yelling at each other. And this is all designed to see who is doing what, who's being a bitch, who's complaining, who's crying, who's doing... And, and they want to see how you fight with each other and they start adding pressure to you. So you're getting your ass whooped um, you know, starting to hate each other. Everyone's pissed. Nobody wants to be there, but everyone wants to be there. But then you got to realize this sucks. It's hot right now. I don't like it. I just got to get through this evolution. So you get through that. And oh, by the way, there's a log out there called Old Misery. There was when I went through. Nobody knows what happened to it, but old, I said the logs weighed about 150 pounds. Old Misery, rumor has it, was about 400 to 450 pounds. Big fucking log. And the reason we got that, Old Misery, was every Bud's class. So Bud's class go in order. It started at one, and right now it's got to be near 400. But it goes in order. One, two, three, four, five. I was in Bud's class 208. That's in 1996. Every class gives a gift. When they graduate, they give a gift back to the compound. And there's some cool gifts. There's some fucked up gifts. One gift that was given... Well, one of the coolest ones I heard of was Bud's class 343 uh, realized the significance of their class because that's how many firefighters died in the World Trade Center on 9-11. So they, gave, they, they managed to find some, uh, some steel from the World Trade Center. They made a four-foot statue with 343 on the top. That's fucking cool. God bless him. Um, but the fucked up, I think, I'm trying to find this out. I think the class 186 gave old misery 
to the compound because they hated log PT and they're going to fuck everybody else before, uh, you know, before they get through. So they gave a big log and on it said, um, and if you can find a picture of this, that's cool. Send it to me. Tag me. Um, it says, uh, misery, it says old misery, misery loves company. And I believe it was class 186, but I'll find out. This log was such a bitch. You couldn't even, you're not, you're barely lifting it over your head. They're, they don't expect you to do the workouts. They just want you to respect old misery because instructors all been through the training and they want you to feel their pain. That's why um, during hell week, the Smurf crew is crushed by short instructors that come over from SEAL Team 3 to fuck them up because they got fucked up. But old, like, old misery was such a bitch that one of my friends named Rick, when he was going through buds, he snuck out, went down to the beach, he and a buddy grabbed Old Misery. They swam it like a mile out into the Pacific and swam back to get rid of it. The next day when they woke up, Old Misery had washed up on the beach in the same spot. Fuck Old Misery. So you're done with that, and then you get to do a soft sand run. And uh, it's called a conditioning run, and the instructors have been saving up one of their good runners that's good in the sand, and they start running you. And that all that is is follow him. And the deal with this is you're in the soft sand, which sucks. You don't know the technique because it's one one day. You've already run a few miles just to get breakfast, and now you're running again. You're following a guy, and the shitty thing is there's no distance, and there's no time, and you don't know when it's going to fucking end. So they run you down to the sand pits, which is south on the beach, and they might keep going, and they might start heading back, and then circle back around the sand pits and head towards Tijuana. And then they run back. They start going towards the compound. You see the compound coming up. You've been running a couple miles in the soft sand. You're not on the hard pack, and... uh then they run right past the compound, and you're heading towards the Hotel Del Coronado, another mile up that way. Then you keep running back. Now, as the, um, as the students get more and more spread out, other instructors who are good runners, they start to stop people who are in the back, and they're beating them. And they're doing what's called, uh, well, elephant walks or dune runs, wet and sandy. And if you thought running in the soft sand was hard, dry, now you're wet and sandy and you're a sugar cookie again. You're running that. Uh, they're beating you, and they can beat you at any time. They drop you, like I said. It's 20 push-ups. Everyone sucks. It all hurts. And uh, as soon as you get done, you're looking at 11, 11.30. My math could be fucked up again. I don't know. And uh, now you get to run a mile to chow. So you're running a mile. And now, a lot of times, the evolutions at the pool, the pool is near the chow hall. So if you have a pool evolution, we'll assume we did on the first day, you're going to stop by at your cage. Every boat crew has a cage. In the cage are your fins and your mask and um, other things, that your UDT vest perhaps, other things that you might need in order to swim. So you grab that shit, you get in formation, you get a head count, and then you run a mile. So you run to chow, you go through chow line again, you get to eat everything you like. My, I was a big fan of cheeseburgers, especially before swimming. I don't know why I don't get sick when I swim. Uh, so I would eat those, and then you run over to the pool and start the pool evolutions. And that's when you can do everything from uh, – you're basically going to be at the pool now from 1230 until dinner. So you get in the pool, you're doing swims, you start off like just swimming, side stroke and shit like that with your fins, then without your fins, and then – they're going to give you instruction on um, uh, drown proofing, which is where they tie you up and throw you in the pool. You learn that if you exhale, you can sink. And then you learn if you kick up and inhale, you can exhale, you can sink. You keep doing that. You learn how to float. Hold your breath and float. What's the best way? Your lungs are actually in your back. And then you start swimming with, um, with uh, your hands and stuff tied together, swimming hundreds of meters and shit like that. Then they do fun stuff like uh, the beehive where everybody gets in. There's a name for it. Uh, we'll get into it later. I've got some friends who were instructors and, 
there's courses of instruction. The beehive was one of them, simulating a ship sinking, where they just put you all in the middle and see how you respond to panic and shit like that. Um, and you're just doing all kinds. You're, you're prepping for underwater knot tying. You're prepping for life-saving. You're preparing for the 50-meter underwater swim, which is something you need to pass. And the 50-meter underwater swim is... Um, the actual test that you need to pass to get through is stand at the edge of the pool, jump in feet first, go underwater, do a front flip, do not kick off the side, swim across the pool where you can kick off that side and swim back all underwater, half the distance of a football field. And basically the way I was figuring it was, you know, keep it simple, master the basics is if I can get to that end and kick off, I just was 25 meters underwater. If I can kick off and go to the bottom and just, push as much as I can, push as much as I can. If I can get enough momentum, if I pass out, hopefully one of the instructors or my momentum will make my head bang off the side and someone can do CPR. So pool evolutions like that. And then let's assume that was the whole afternoon. You go to chow, you have dinner, and then you run a mile back. Uh, whether or not you get more instruction is up to the instructors, but you're done, um, whatever, 7 o'clock, 7.30. And uh, then, you know, get ready for the next day. You're probably going to need to go into your room and clean it up. There's not going to be inspection on Tuesday. Um, but, you know, I would drive to Carl's Jr. and get burgers, more burgers. You're, you can eat whatever you want. That's what's nice. Don't worry about bikini season. You can just eat up. Then, uh, the, ne you know, the next day would be um, the same thing. Sunscreen, PT, run, uh, eat, run back. And then as opposed to um, um, a soft sand run, now we're going to swim in the ocean. So get your UDT vest. Uh, have your knife and your flare day and up because it's the daytime swim night and down. Inspection with your swim buddy and then learn how to swim in the ocean with a, with a swim buddy. And the reason we're doing this stuff is because uh, every phase, every week, you need to pass a two-mile swim in a certain amount of time and then a, a, um, a four-mile run in a certain amount of time. And then, so, for example, the, the swims are, uh, I'm sorry, the runs are, I want to say, 32 minutes Four miles in, in, in 32 minutes, and then swims are, are, are 74 minutes, something like that. Uh, so they're getting used to that, you know, everything from your fear of sharks to whatnot. Uh, it's a full day of buds again. And then eventually, you know, you get into the obstacle course, which is a really tall, scary obstacle where you need to learn the technique and eventually run it in 10 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, so that's a normal day at buds. And um, you do that up until a certain week, which is called Hell Week. And Hell Week is an infamous part, but it's not the end. Hell Week starts on a Sunday. Now, so Buds, I think, and I'm saying when I went through, it was 26 weeks from day 1-1 until graduation. <clears throat> and things do change. Like I was talking about Old Misery, which class um, brought it to them. Who brought the frog? What's the story of Freddy the frog? Stuff like that. But we've managed to lose a lot of our history. But one thing is very common is you'll always hear, like you, I may have said, uh, my class was obviously the last hard class. And uh, everybody says that. <clears throat> there was even, you know, they, people ask, what's the smallest Bud's class ever? And I think it was like six guys, five or six guys. But there was, uh, there. I heard a rumor, could be, could be true, could be bullshit, where... Um, they said the the class that never was. There was a class that uh, everybody, so many people quit. They just had to roll everybody, and that class disappeared. They call it the class that never was. Um, I'm, I'm with my class, it was it, we graduated two guys, and then they made us fight it out at graduation, which is a complete lie. But uh, Hell Week starts now, 
in week three. And the official version is that it's week three because they don't want the Navy to spend too much money on operational requirements because it used to be like week five or six, something like that, whatever. But I think the truth is they, they're always trying to figure out a way to get more guys through training. And by week five or six, guys are just beat down because I was describing a day in Bud's um, and it's just really, really hard. Everything from that grinder reminder, the thing on your ass, to shin splints, to um, stress fractures, which are very common. There's a, a very, very common knee injuries and back injuries. People break their necks from falling off of stuff. Um, uh, and it's just, you know, one of the questions I got a few times on social media is, when did you feel like quitting? And the answer is always. Every single day, every moment, it, it, it can cross your mind about quitting. And there, again, there are guys that maybe they said they weren't thinking about quitting, which could be true. But that's when goals come in. Your your long-term goal is not getting to Hell Week or through Hell Week or to graduation or graduating or getting to a SEAL team. Your goal is your next meal. Your goal is getting to the next evolution. Your goal is your next step. And that's the way you can do everything. Long-term goals are accomplished by short-term goals. And the shorter term, if, if it's a really, really hard evolution, make it a shorter goal. You know, with the log PT, make it to the sit-ups or whatever the hell you're doing. But Hell Week is not... So I describe what it's like going through Bud's day-to-day. Hell Week is, is, a, is a week, and it starts on a Sunday, and you don't finish it until Friday. And this is the most famous week in SEAL training, but you got to realize when you get done with Hell Week, it doesn't mean you're a Navy SEAL. You're not even close. You're not even done with first phase. So Hell Week starts in an afternoon. The class gets together. We, in our case... We watched a movie and had pizza in a classroom before we went out to the beach where tents were set up. We watched Braveheart, which was kind of awesome because we had one of our bosses, an academy officer, who's a complete badass. When shit was going bad in Hell Week, he would scream, freedom, like uh, like he did in Braveheart at the very, very end, which is kind of awesome. And I think this guy, I'm not going to say his name. Unless he he lets me eventually, but I, I'm convinced that there's about 20 Navy SEALs out there that need to thank him for personally dragging them through Hell Week. But it starts off uh, intense, right as the sun's going down. They start blowing up uh, fake bombs, but or they're they're fake bombs, no shrapnel, real explosions, and they're shooting M60s, uh, belt-fed machine guns with blanks, just to make it chaotic. And uh, I mentioned head counts. Um, what they're trying to do is get boat crews in head counts, but they're purposely splitting people up as you're running back and forth from the sand dunes to the water up to the grinder. You're supposed to be doing workouts. It's completely chaotic. They've got Navy SEALs from other teams in there yelling at you, screaming at you. You don't know who's who. They bring families in that stand up on the rooftops, families of Navy SEAL instructors to watch. It's called Breakout, and that's like like an hour or so. Uh, breakout, they're confusing you. You're never going to have a head count, but you're, you're so caught up in the moment that people get stressed. I actually saw, got, saw guys quit during breakout, which is like the part you might see on TV or in movies. That's like the fun part. So you get done with breakout, and then uh, they start doing what's called whistle drills. So you're on the beach, you know, whatever, however, 150 guys you got, and they'll bl- blow whistle. Something stupid like one whistle is stand up two whistles is is lay down and three whistles is crawl towards the whistle and you know anything that you do for hours at a time like that just sucks and then you just start running around everywhere with boats on your heads so your boat crew like i mentioned seven guys carrying boats and they're sort of looking at what are the boat crew leaders doing are you switching off with guys i know the uh the sled dogs are up front and the boat crew leaders in the back is he going to switch out who's 
carrying the boat on their head. Who's doing that? Who's taking part in the evolutions? And, you know, you run from the Pacific side over to the bay side, across the bays, around the bases, run back. You, everything, you do all the evolutions. You do your runs. You do your swims. You do your obstacle courses. But now you carry the boat everywhere with you. The boat goes with you. You carry the boat so much on your head. And you're wearing soft covers, a soft hat. But the boat is, uh, even though your head's shaved, the boat is bouncing off your head so much that everybody gets bald spots from the boat. You're all you're wet and cold and sandy the entire time to the point where any part of your uniform, you're wearing long sleeves and pants, any part of your body that's touching cloth will start to bleed, start to chafe and get scabs, and it's just a miserable experience. Your feet swell up. You, you, we run, I think, somewhere along the lines of seven marathons in in the full week like it's it's about 200 miles so you know uh, and you're working out not working out you're getting your ass handed to you moving running o course swimming 20 hours a day minimum and the other four hours are either getting beats hopefully eating not sleeping you don't sleep at all if you sleep at all it's on thursday night um where they sit you down and give you like mres meals ready to eat or see rations or some bullshit and you don't realize that you get 20 minutes there to sleep or lay down or, wh- or whatever. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's Sunday to Friday, and it just sucks. You're awake the entire time, and that's when you lose most of the people. That's when people quit. And you'll see shit in movies like where a guy goes to – the way you quit in Buds is there's a bell. And you run to the bell and ring it three times, and that's it. But during Hell Week, the bell follows you around, and it's just so tempting. There was a point one night where they started this big fire and you can stand around the fire as long as nobody faces the fire or some stupid shit like that. You're getting beat. Everyone's surrounding this fire. And, uh, it, you know, it's, 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 it, we're so many days into Hell Week. And I remember the instructors, they're, they're obviously setting us up, but we don't know. We think everything's so serious, and these instructors have been instructors their whole lives. They're just bored, too, so they're trying to fuck with us. Um, where you can, guys are getting so close to the fire that steam is coming off of their uniforms now because you're wet the whole time. Um, and then um, at one point, the instructor said, all right, I said everyone face the fire. Johnson over there is not facing the fire. Everybody in the ocean. And, you know, it's dark out. The Pacific's cold no matter what. You're running there. Just dumb games like that the whole time. They're basically, it gets to a point. When I said um, little victories and long-term victories, little goals, long-term goals, you're, my long-term goal during Hell Week was when Sunday started. My long-term goal was not making it to Friday. My long-term goal was making it to Wednesday morning when the sun comes up. If I'm awake from Sunday afternoon until Wednesday morning when the sun comes up, I should be so full of uh, hallucinations that maybe um, I'll just get pushed through the whole course. That was my long-term goal Wednesday, and I should make it to Friday. Uh, it was to the point of hallucinations. I had a, a, a buddy of mine who was uh, who was the boat crew leader. His dad was a, a Navy SEAL, and he said, my dad told me that you're going to have good times. You're going to have bad times, ups and downs. When you have a down, tell someone in your boat crew, and maybe they're up, and they can help you through. If you're up, tell everyone in the boat crew, maybe they're down. And that's good advice for life, too. You're having a good day, call someone. Having a bad day, call someone. You never know what someone else is going through, but you probably have something in common. So we were doing an evolution on Thursday night, and uh, you know you, you want to get to Friday. We're rowing around the Coronado, around North Island, and we're rowing. It's dark. I know I've got to meet all the guys uh, Wojo and Dave Rutherford, who I mentioned earlier, they're all in my boat crew. And you only, I mean, you might, you don't know how many people in your class during Hell Week, but I knew these guys. That's pretty much it. And we're rowing around North Island, which is the Naval Air Station. 
And I looked up and saw this huge aircraft carrier. And I said, hey, guys, is there an aircraft carrier in front of us? And they said, no. And I said, okay, so if there's no aircraft carrier, then I suppose there's not a dragon that's breathing fire on the flight deck of an aircraft carrier. They said, well, no. And I said, okay, I'm having a really good fucking night. I'm having enough. If anyone's down, let me know and I'll help you. You finish Hell Week. You've been awake from Sunday to Friday. You've been in the elements. You're bleeding. You're swollen. You haven't slept. Your emotions are up. Your body's in flight. Fight or flight mode. Um, I don't know how that works as a scientist or whatever, anything physiologically. And then they put you to bed. They, um, they, they bring you out back. Uh, every, every day during Hell Week, they bring you to medical to check you out, which means the doc looks at you, asks you what day it is, shines some shit in your eye, gives you some petroleum jelly, a handful, and you, you put it on your nuts because you got a thing called Hell Week nuts. Your, your nuts have been hitting your legs so often. They're covered in, in chafing. you got a handful of this petroleum jelly. Guess what? It's going one place. Um, as soon as you're done with that, you put your, you actually get to put a fresh uniform on and fresh boots, but as soon as you're dressed, you're right in the surf zone. doesn't matter. You don't stay dry at all. But on Friday, you're done. But I didn't realize I was done. So I'm getting checked out. And this instructor, I mentioned him before, Instructor Eshelman, had me standing in um, two buckets of warm water. And I have this picture. I'm going to find it. Two buckets of warm water. And they gave me a full thing of petroleum jelly. I didn't get it. And they had me, Eshelman had snuck my parents in. My, my, my dad called my mom and said, uh, we haven't heard from him. His goal was Wednesday. He's going to make it, so let's fly down there to surprise him. Eshelman met them somehow. I don't know how. Um, and he snuck them in. So I look at Eshelman. I got, he took the picture, and I turn around and look, and my dad and my mom are standing there. And my dad's got tears in his eyes, and he said, uh, you're not hallucinating. Um, we're really here. And I remember I looked at him and said, yeah, you're fucking here. So is that dragon again behind you. And then I left, and then, then they, they, they watch you sleep. Uh, you're, you have a guard watching you. Mattresses are off the bunk bed. You're all on the floor. They recommend you put your feet up. You want to get eight hours of sleep, which uh, eight to ten hours of sleep. And then I woke up. There was a note, and um, my father and mother took me to Marie Callender's in Coronado. So Hell Week was over, and Bud's is not close to over. That's Hell Week. You have the weekend off, and then Monday you go to Bud's. However, it's called a walk week. So the walk week is um, you're going to start taking classes because the following two weeks, in my case, in Bud's class 208's case, I don't know how they do it now. Um, I'm assuming now it's got to be, you know, pedicures and foot powder. But uh, and when, when I went through, um, we had to learn how to do what's called hydrographic reconnaissance because the following two weeks, the last two weeks of first phase will be hydro recon. And that's like the bread and butter of the SEAL teams. That's the Naval Combat Demolition units the old school frogmen would do um they would do charts of beaches and water uh and currents out to what we would call uh the three and a half fathom curve which is 21 feet there you know there's six feet in a fathom three and a half fathoms carry the one is whatever is uh 21 feet three and a half fathoms six feet for fathom. um we're gonna learn how to do that and and uh so we take classes we walk there is uh one swim at some point, and I remember standing out there, and uh, Eshelman was walking by. We're staring at the ocean, and he's like, wow, haven't been in the uh, the ocean since Hell Week. Kind of spooky, isn't it? Because we've been tortured by the ocean. This is why Navy SEALs don't like to get wet to this day. Anyway, you finish the walk week. Where Walk week means you're not doing the bud shuffle. You're still going to chow, but you're walking everywhere. You're, you're, you're trying to heal up as best you can, and then two weeks of hydrographic reconnaissance. Now, the way that works is... You want to get to the 
to the um, three and a half fathom curve. And you actually swim with a line. Like it's a line, like a, imagine like a, a coil on a hose. And somebody, a pair swims that shit out. That's called the bitter end man. He has a shitty job. He has to swim out and keep swimming because you need to keep the thing, you know, taut or whatever. And then every 25 meters is a, is a, is a knot. And there's a guy on each one, 25 meters. And you measure. And the way we did it was old school. You got a dive weight and you got um, a, a, a um, 550 cord on it. And then there's, um, you know, there's, there's knots and then a big knot for, for three feet. And every one is to fathom. And then you want to measure your depth. Swim 25 meters, measure your depth. Swim 25 meters, measure your depth. You got guys 25 meters apart. You're making a map. And it sucks. It takes all day. It takes all night. Then you're making charts all night. So you don't sleep again. A couple hours sleep and you're doing that over and over. And that's first phase. So the first phase is nine weeks. So that's the first phase of buds. Second phase of buds is uh, diving. Um, you are through first phase. Buds does not get easier. Now you're learning about diving. You're getting into dive medicine and dive physics because you're going to at first be doing open circuit diving, which is uh, self-contained underwater breathing, scuba. Uh, and that means when you blow the bubble. So you, you got to learn about the, the physics and the medicine. You learn a, a lot of different laws as far everything from water displacement, how you're going to float to Boyle's law, which is how pressure and uh, volume are, you know, the more pressure you get, the smaller the volume gets with air. So that's your lungs, and that's like a bottle you're carrying, but water itself does not compress, so you're learning about that. Then you're learning dive medicine, uh, all kinds of stuff as far as uh, different depths, decompression, recompression, how everything from, because you're going to get into mixed gases and oxygen. When does nitrogen become toxic? When does oxygen become toxic? At which point do you need to stop and let nitrogen reabsorb so you don't get what's called the bends? All kinds of shit can go on in diving. Um, the, the atmospheres, uh, don't hold your breath, arterial gas embolism, shit like that. Then you get into diving, but you're not just diving. Diving can be fun, but now you're in the military, and the military, I don't care which branch, can make everything suck. So we make diving suck. But what we're doing is we're learning how to do it, learning how, at first, in a pool. And then, you know, you're, lear you're learning how to dive in a pool, how the stuff works, and we're diving these old-school World War II actuators, which has an inhalation tube and an exhalation tube. And you got two, we call them twin 80s, two tanks on your back. Breathe in, exhale. So we're starting with that uh, to get used to breathing. These things are old. I don't think they make them anymore. They suck. But like I said, we're in the Navy. It sucks. You're building up to an evolution they call pool competency. And this, believe it or not, is probably the hardest part of SEAL training. It might be harder than Hell Week. But, you know, it's just different. It's, it's different than Hell Week because pool competency is to see if you're going to be ready to learn how to dive with a regular open circuit and hopefully get into close circuit diving, which is a dragger, which is what you use in combat operations. Pool comp seems simple, but a lot of guys fail it. What's nice about BUDS, um, the test that you take, you get a couple tries to attempt. Pool comp is... Um, Two attempts at pool comp on Friday. If you fail, um, you get a try again on Monday. All pool comp is, is what you're told is you start on one end. So there's a long end of the pool, 50 meters long. The short end is 25 meters long. They're going to start you on the 20, going 25 yards back and forth. So you have all your shit on. You got, uh, you got your, uh, your vest. You got your, your uh, twin 80s. And you have your, you know, your fins, your weight belt, your mask, and your breathing shit. Uh, all you're told you need to do is go back and forth. 
Um, that's it. They're going to simulate different conditions in the ocean, which is kind of uh, Bud's talk for they're going to fuck you up. So at first you're going back and forth, and the first thing they're going to do is they call it simulating a surf hit. So they smack you, they pull your fins off, pull your mask off, turn your air off. That's hit number one. No big deal. So there's a procedure. Find your air source. You know, bring it down. Oh, there's no air. Turn your air on. You turn it back on. They turn it back off. They beat you. Then they start to flip you around. Then they start to get cute with you. They start to tie knots in your uh, hoses, which I don't know is unsafe. But they're tying like this one up. So eventually they tie a knot so good in your exhalation tube that you can still inhale, but you can't exhale. So you got to figure out a way. You don't have a mask on. It doesn't really matter. But you still got to keep going back and forth. You don't have fins on. They come back again. They hit you again. And they start tying shit all over the place. Uh, when you get your shit tied to knots, if you can't find your air source, the best thing to do is reach back and turn on your air source. That'll pump it up. Then you realize there's a knot. Try to get it undone. If you can't get it undone, you got to figure some shit out. But that's your procedure right there. Don't fuck it up. If there's a knot that you should have gotten undone, but you didn't, you went through other procedures, they're going to fail you. Very difficult. So let's assume you can't get it undone. You need to go through a procedure. I think it went like this. If I'm wrong, tell me in the comments. But you can't get it out. Your air is on, but there's a big knot. You take off your weight belt and put it over your knees. So that'll keep that'll keep you on the bottom of the pool. Then you pull off, I want to say, chest strap first, waist strap second. One or the other, but do it the right way or they're going to fucking fail you. Pull it off and look at it. And then try to untie the knot. You get the, the knot untied, perfect. Take a breath because you've been holding your breath for about a minute at this point. Take a nice breath and then start your procedure back the opposite way. So I'm thinking it is put it back on. Uh, waist strap, chest strap, take the thing off and then put it back on and start your dumb ass going back and forth at the bottom of the pool. They hit you again. They hit you again. They're going to keep hitting you. There's different classes of knots and you don't know the time limit. You don't know when it's over, but you got to get it right. Uh, the last knot's called a whammy knot. And that's the one that you're supposed to not be able to untie. Right? So um, you get all these knots. You're doing all your procedures right the whole time, hopefully. But the good news is if you fuck something up, you don't even know, and they'll keep you going for another 30 minutes or whatever and tell you at the top. But when you get done, let's assume you can't untie the knot. You got to look at the instructor and give them a, um, one of these for a free uh, ascending, whatever. You go the fuck up. I, I forget the goddamn acronym, whatever. So uh, get thumbs up to go to the top uh, and ascent, and he will give you this back now, or he'll give you this number, the, the okay signal. You're giving a thumbs up, he gives an okay. Now you need to remember this. This is very important is you have to prove to the instructor that you remember Boyle's law. You can't if you're if you're breathing um, compressed air at depth, you it will start to um, it, as the as the pressure of the water decreases, volume will increase. If you keep a full breath of air and you come up, guess what? Your lungs are going to pop. That's going to throw bubbles into your bloodstream. That's an arterial gas embolism. That's really bad. That can kill you. So you got to prove to the instructor after all this nonsense that you remember it. Put your lips on the floor of the pool. We call that kiss in the deck. Kiss it, turn around, and start to exhale immediately. So as you're going up, even you know if you start doing dive rescue or whatever, if you put a, your buddy's uh, head back, air will, instead of blowing up your lungs, it'll come out. So you're proving that you remember the loss. You imagine going through all that shit like a 45-minute ass whooping only to forget that part. So you come up, you always put your hand in front of you because you, uh, uh, above you as you're ascending because there could be something above you and you want to hit it with your, uh, your hand and not your head for obvious reasons. You come out, and here's another key that you got to remember. <laughs> the first thing you say is, I feel fine. 
The reason you say that apparently is because if you have an AGE, an arterial gas embolism, it's going to fuck up with your speech, like a, a stroke or if you know you had too much to drink. Um, and it will say sound something like I meal mine or something like that, and they know you're fucked. They're going to they're going to and they're going to treat you. Uh, taking you back to depth in a chamber or whatever. So remember all those things. Kiss the deck, hand up, exhale. I feel fine. Now, there are instructors that are grading you, and you have your instructor, the, the main instructor that was fucking with you. And that's when he looks at you, and your entire life is in front of your eyes. You've been through hell week, now in second phase. You need to pass pool comp to keep going. And my first time, they said, O'Neill failed. All right? Other guys were passing. The guys that passed, they get out of the pool. They're done with the double hose actuator. Now they have a single hose, and you can see them sitting over there with their back turned to you because they passed. You have a brown shirt now. You've through Hell Week. Now you have a single hose actuator. This is another step. So you're looking at them. Fuck. They passed. I didn't. Then you go out, and then you wait your turn. You do it again. Did the whole damn evolution again. Came up. At, you know, did everything right, I think. I feel fine. O'Neill failed. So you're done. that's it for the day. Good luck enjoying your weekend. The guys that passed that are done for the weekend, uh, a lot of them are going to go out and have beers and celebrate because now they're through Hell Week. They just passed Pool Comp. This is a good day because Pool, pool, pool Comp is one of those uh, things that if you get past it and like get rolled back in a class, you start after Pool Comp. Same with Hell Week. You get through Hell Week, you get rolled, you go back to the class with Hell Week. Pool Comp's a big deal. Now, I have an entire weekend to think about it. So do a couple other guys. A lot of guys fail this thing. I was one of them. So now do you get in your head or do you realize I fucked up? I made a mistake, a couple of mistakes. What did I do wrong? How can I learn from them? I'm not going to blame the instructor. I'm not going to blame anyone else. This is on me. I fucked up. Go through it in your head. We actually went back to the barracks. And I remember uh, the, mo the movie Heat just came out, which is a great movie, by the way. Those fucking mag changes. That was a dope movie. But that tells you how old I am. Heat just came out on probably VHS. <laughs> so um, we went and watched Heat. I didn't. I didn't. I watched the entire movie. I had no idea what it was about because I was so concentrating on how to untie knots, turn on, and what are the procedures? Because when you come up and they say fail, you don't know why. What did you could have screwed up? One, you could have gone chest strap, waist strap instead of waist strap, chest strap, something like that. Big evolution. So we go back Monday, and I'm like, I'm, I'm not letting any knots stop me. I'm going to untie every single knot. I'm staying down there forever until they just tell me I'm good. So did the whole evolution. I thought it went well. This is my third attempt. You get four for pool cup. I come up out of the water. I feel fine. And then uh, the instructor's looking at me, and he's pissed. Because he's a buds instructor, he's pissed. He's probably hungover. It is Monday, and he's a young Navy SEAL. Um, he looks at me and looks at the guy grading and goes, O'Neill, passed. Yes. So I'm pumped up. I get out. And, and he stopped me. The instructor stopped me, and he goes, you motherfucker. You untied four of my whammy knots. See me after this. So I thought I did great. I did pass. He's going to fuck me up after for untying the damn knots. So anyway, um, so we finished that. We did watch um, a couple other guys fail their fourth attempt, and they got rolled. And I wasn't one of them, but I know some really good friends who were. They were rolled from Bud's class 208. And you can get down on yourself, and you can quit, and you can play poor fucking me or whatever. These guys didn't. And I remember them leaving and just saying, uh, a lot of guys would say, because you hoo each other, like hoo ya 208. I remember one of the guys yelling, good luck, 208. And he was one of our mentors uh, as a student, but he knew what it was. And, and it's like, wow, he's gone. Um, but he graduated 209 because he didn't feel sorry for himself. Okay, I fucked up. 
Didn't pass. I'm going to pass next time, and he did. So that's pool comp. Then you get into um, you do some open circuit dives. Um, we did some cool shit like I think with the Navy can you can go down to 130 feet, which is just badass in the ocean, obviously, because I don't think anyone has a 130 foot pool. I hope um, billionaires maybe, but anyway, um, um, you go out to and you dive in open circuit, then you get in the closed circuit, which is what we do, and you, you dive closed circuit, which is a double hose, but now it's on your chest, and that the way that works is you you have a small uh, bottle. And you're gonna you inhale through the bottle and then exhale out of an exhalation, and then uh, I'm sorry, exhale and it goes to a scrubber and inhale some shit like that. It's a it's a it's a circuit, and you're learning how to um, to dive bubbleless, and then so you you start start off with dives like uh, start on the beach, swim a bearing, and and with the so when you when you dive you have what's called a, an attack board. So on the attack board is something you really try to lock in tight because you're going to be finning, and you have your compass, you have a depth gauge, you have a timer, like a watch, duh, and uh, you're going to count your kicks. You're getting used to how many kicks does it take for me to get 100 yards, how many kicks, and you start learning that, learning with currents, trying to stay whatever, and then you have you have the driver and you have the, uh, the buddy, and the buddy's job is to hold a hand on your head and then hold one out and look. And this guy's actually going a lot faster because uh, – this is more hydrodynamic than this is, but you're learning how to do that back and forth, back and forth. They're getting you used to being on a dragger, keeping your depth. You want to be at a certain depth all the time. The more you go up and down, the more energy you're wasting. If you're wasting energy, you're wasting oxygen, which means you're wasting time, which all of this can add up to mission failure. Then we get into stuff where we're going over to 32nd Street, which is the Navy base. They have us diving on Navy ships. And uh, that's you learn shit about Navy ships as far as um, uh, how they get rid of stuff, the, 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 the way the water goes through the ship for cooling everything, the suction, which is huge. Um, you don't want to get sucked to a ship because <laughs> um, you're going to be sucked to a ship. You learn about your compass, how all that steel above you. We talked about water displacement. How do those big, heavy fucking ships, uh, how do they float? Because of the water they displace, but they're heavy, they're big, they're steel. And also your compass is going off of, uh, uh, you know, it's magnetic compass, right? Um, once you get under a ship, it stops working. So you have to learn stuff about a Navy ship. How's it put together? How are the seams in a ship? Some go horizontal, some go vertical, or however the fuck they look to you. You got to learn how to keep your calm. Slow down. If you want to be fast, slow the fuck down. Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. How you get out. You get, you get to the bottom and you do uh, uh, an appreciation of a ship. Here's the keel. Here's, here's what makes the damn thing run. And the reason we're doing that is because eventually, and it's happened before, Sometimes combat divers need to go to an enemy ship, swim in there quietly, and uh, put limpet mines on a ship to, to disable it. I don't think you're going to sink one of these big ships with a limpet, but you need to, how to know how to get in there to disable it. Whatever you need to do, if you can blow a hole in it. I don't know. How many people can go through with different limpets and put them? We actually get to a point, even during BUDS, I think, where you put limpet mines in and then put them all together with debt cord, one big, big-ass bomb. What, who knows? Maybe you know where they keep their bombs. Maybe you can uh, uh, sympathetically detonate them. And you get into stuff like this, and I've heard the new generation be like, well, why the hell would we need that? Why do we need hydrographic reconnaissance with lead line and a slate where you're writing with a... A pencil, a, a, a grease pencil. We have side scan sonar with submarines. Why do we need to swim into an enemy ship when we can hit it with a cruise missile, when we can hit it with a hellfire? Well, I'll tell you why. Because of the technology. Yes, we have technology to hit these ships, but we also have technology where, I don't know, China could shoot down our satellites. 
What if we lose our satellites? We lose our global positioning. We lose our GPS. We lose our communication. We can't fire these missiles at... We don't have helicopter. Helicopter better know how to use a map and compass because he just lost everything and he can't talk. What if it comes down to that? If we get into a big war, it's going to come down to uh, who can shoot artillery, who can hold a position, who knows how to fucking fight. And the first thing that's going to go is, is uh, God forbid we get into a war where we just turn each other off. And then it's uh, who can be a barbarian and who doesn't have a problem eating people. Shit like that. So we would practice on that. Now, we're learning this cool stuff. We're, we're, we get uh, certified as civilian divers, even, which I think is great because I love to scuba dive now. I don't do any of this dumb shit. I like to dive with sharks. I like to get in the open water. I like the Caribbean. Uh, and we'll get into some shark stuff later, a lot of cool shit. Um, but this is still buds. And you're doing everything you do during the day. Now, this is um, second phase. Everything you do during the day, you do at night. Also, you're getting, you're, you still have your two-mile runs that have gone down by two minutes. Your two-mile swims have gone down by two minutes. Your O-course times, which have gone down. So you're doing your workouts, and they're still whooping your ass. Their instructors there, I think there's a jealousy factor that they're not first-phase instructors. They can still whoop some ass. So they do. And you got to remember their names and whatnot. So in between the classes, in between the morning workout, in between everything from maintaining your gear, making sure it's clean because you have inspections, making sure your bottles have air, making sure the softening line is clean, all this bullshit, and then you still got to eat, you still got to run a mile to chow, you know, six miles a day, that shit, and, uh, and then you're getting done with your night dives. When you're done with your night dives, you need to take care of your gear. Um, you're getting to bed 11.30 midnight, you're getting up for your 5 a.m. workout. I think they moved it to 5 a.m. So buds is still hard. This is not fucking fun. Um, uh, you do that. Also, there's an evolution called the 5.5 nautical mile swim. Like I said, there are certain evolutions. Hell Week Pool Comp, there's the 5.5 nautical mile swim, which is like, do the math, 7.1 like human people miles, um, whatever. Uh, and you get to do that once. So, I, you know, I, I said earlier, don't make excuses, but for some damn reason, I don't think the second phase instructors like Bud's Class 208 because. Our two-mile swim, you do it once. That's all you do that day. I think I think it was on a Friday. And uh, you're going to do the, the, the sorry, the 5.5 nautical mile swim on a Friday. You're done for the weekend. We'll start class on Monday. So we went out. Butts class 208 went out to do the 5.5 nautical mile swim. This is not the end of second phase, by the way. Uh, we're going to go do it. No big deal. But they, they came in for the brief. And the brief is funny. They're, they're like, okay. Now, the currents have been going south for, I don't know, 10,000 years. Like, we're talking plate tectonics and shit. But they said today they shifted. So instead of swimming, um, uh, uh, you know, they're going, sorry, yeah, they shifted. They're going south to north. So instead of swimming from here to IB, we're going to drive down to IB and swim back because the current shifted. We're hooking you up. They're not fucking hooking us up. So they brought us down, and we're going to swim seven miles against the current all the way back to the compound. And this is a couple hour evolution. We were out there for fucking ever. We were so split up because the beach is is concave. And normally you can swim up the beach and know where you're guiding, but you don't want to do it here because you're adding miles. So you're just going to straight shot. We were so far out. And the swim buddies were so every you know, you're swimming with a buddy. Everything you do in Buds, you have a guy with you. My buddy Monty and I. We're miles off the beach, and their swim pairs so separated. The safety boats can't stay anywhere. God for, I mean, I'm a big believer we're not on the menu, but God forbid a great white gets hungry because fish get hungry. No one's there to save you. You're somewhere out there. Whatever. We're swimming, just finning for hours and hours. There's no water. Well, there's plenty of fucking water. There's no drinking water available, no food. And uh, 
we finally get to a point. I think like the Bud's O course is a couple hundred meters from the compound where you get out. And I remember like we're switching back and forth so you can swim on one side, so swim on the other. I see the O course. We're in there for hours. And um, um, like two or three groups finished. And finally, I see this dude in khakis running down the beach. And it's the executive officers, the XO of Bud's. And uh, it didn't. It didn't occur to me at the time that Bud's instructors are actually SEALs, and they're at a command. They have bosses, and then the XO is the boss. Like, the CEO's not going to worry about... The commanding officer's not going to worry about hammering you. He'll have the fucking XO do it. The XO will fucking kill you. So the XO's out there, and I see him yelling at instructors. They're pulling people in. They're setting off flares. Like, thank God it's done. So we swim in exhausted, just salt water shit and whatnot. It's Friday. We're good. We're happy. Yes. So we, um, we get out. The swim's over. We clean our gear. It's awesome. Uh, the XO was yelling at them because that's a big safety violation. We're lucky we found everyone. No one's a, what we call gear adrift. No one ended up in Davy Jones' locker. Everyone lived. We get done. 5.5-mile swim. Nautical Mile Ocean swims over. That's done. And uh, we have the weekend. It's exciting. We come back in on Monday, and um, we go into the classroom, and <laughs> we're going to do some sort of weird classes. And the instructor said, um, all right, guys, since we didn't all finish – the swim, technically, on Friday, put your pens and pencils down. Get your wetsuits on. We're going to do it again. So this is an evolution that we're, we're going to do once in our fucking lives. And we just did it, and now we're going to do it again. And that was the point of BUDS where I was like, these BUDS instructors are very, very creative. This is the meanest thing anyone's ever done to me. Probably to this day, including getting shot at. That's just something they had to do. This fucker was mean. So we got our stuff on, and I mentioned the the um, the uh, you do inspections before every swim, and uh, I got Monty with me, and and you know the way you wear it was so we got a, it's a little it's a little bitty fucking wetsuit. It's not a, it's like an old school wetsuit. That you you button up uh on you know underneath your nuts, and then I think I think there's a hood. There's probably a hood. I got a picture of it. I'll post it. And then you wear your, your stupid vest, and then you have a knife attached to your belt. So you got a belt, and then you get your knife, and then you have your flare. And, like, they inspect you to the point where if you fuck up and it's, it's not day-end up for a day dive or a day swim, you're going to get hammered because the wrong end is up or your knife's not sharp. And so I look over at Monty, and he's got a Snickers bar taped to his knife instead of a flare. <laughs> Right. And I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to get destroyed. Money. What the fuck? So we're like we're facing each other and the instructors come down the middle of the line to inspect us. I'm like, we're going to get fucking hammered because that Snickers. And he goes, don't say a word and I'll share it with you halfway through. And I'm like, it's worth it. And sure as shit, they didn't find it. And uh, we did. They didn't make a swim from IB up. They were nice. They let us swim down and back. So half the way against it, halfway through, we shared that Snickers bar. And I didn't give a fuck. That, I was, I, that was the best meal in the ocean that day. Finished the swim. Did some more shit um, in dive phase. Dive phase, I think, is seven weeks. Certified divers. And now uh, done with hell week. Done with first phase. Done diving. Done the 5.5. Now it's off to third phase. We're going to learn how to shoot. We're going to learn how to blow shit up. Shoot, move, communicate. This phase has got to be fun. Right? So now we're in the final phase of BUDS. First phase, second phase, third phase. What I did not mention at the beginning is you wear a helmet in buds. And first phase with the white T-shirts is a green helmet. And what it has is your class number. Mine was 208 and your name on front, O'Neal. Second phase is blue helmet. And third phase is a red helmet. You can actually, if you're looking at me, you can see it behind me. 
on my um, mantle back there. If you're listening, you have to assume I'm not lying. I have a red helmet behind me. That was actually some good advice, too, when people say, um, how did you not quit? One of the ways I didn't quit was when you quit in first phase, you ring that bell I talked about. It's right on the grinder, and then you put your helmet down in a line, and it's just helmet, helmet, helmet. And I would always say there's no way I can quit because I can't put a helmet with my father's name on it in that quitter's line. That was one of the pieces of motivation for me. But now we're in third phase, paint the helmet red. We we're, we're, we're should be good to go right. Um, anyway, you keep doing the same stuff. You PT every day. Every single week there is a four-mile time run, a two-mile ocean swim. The you know times went down and the O-course time went down, but you should be good proficient at that. Shouldn't be a big deal. And it was fun at first. We get to go to the indoor ranges in San Diego, learn how to shoot pistols, learn how to shoot a couple rifles. Uh, take I got the MP5 for the first time. That was very cool. Pretty neat gun. Uh, and then, you know, we're just kind of training there. We would do walkthroughs on the beach. They're teaching basic patrolling. You do stuff like, here's the point, man. Here's where the OIC or the patrol leader is. The radio guy's usually behind him. Automatic weapons, one, you know, one direction. Then you learn how to patrol. Like, this guy points forward. His field fire is this way. The next guy's right. The next guy's left, right, left. The back guy's rear security, things like that. Patrol around. Take classes. You start learning on paper about explosives, electric, non-electric explosives, and um, how to work in a fire team. You learn uh, helo insert and extract where you go, the basics of how you insert, and then you, uh, it's called a sills, sit, look, listen, shut the fuck up, something like that. Basic, basic, basic tactics, but you're pretty good. And they're actually pretty nice to you, the instructors, until you go to San Clemente Island. Nobody talks about that. San Clemente Island was harder than shit because buds, you do Monday through Friday, get the weekends off to recuperate, but the island is a Navy island. San Clemente Island is off the coast of California. In between San Clemente Island and San Catalina Island, by the way, is a great white shark breeding ground. Um, you realize that sharks don't want to bite you, but they're out there, and these are great whites, so you think about that. Actually, the first night when you land there on the island, you land in a helicopter or a plane, maybe a C-130, it doesn't matter. You land there, they take you to a nice little compound that's a barracks. You got a couple rooms, each... Um, Boat crew is in a different room, your bunk beds and all that shit. It's kind of fun. The first thing you do when you drop your bags off is you go into the locker room. Not the locker room, sorry. You go into the schoolhouse, which is a classroom. And it's kind of like it looks like a college classroom. And there's the, like a, um, a place where the damn instructor stands and uh, a big screen behind him. What they do at first, because you know about the sharks, you know that it's very quiet and dark out there. The water is so clear that at night you can even see the bottom and the phosphorescence follows your hand. As you wave it, they show you about 30 or 45 minutes highlights of shark week and when shark attacks go wrong. And then as a class, you get to do what's called a shark appreciation swim at night. So you get your fins, your mask, everything. You go down to the bay and you swim. There's a buoy that's like a half mile out. We're going to swim to that and we're going to swim back. Now, normally you swim with your swim buddy. On this one, we're all swim buddies, and it's like herd mentality, survival of the fittest. The guy on the outside might get hit. We won't. Swim out, obviously no big deal. Swim back, but you're scared. And then you start doing other stuff, but you're training all day long now. You're up early in the morning. You have to do 10 pull-ups with all of your gear before each meal. If you don't, you got to go hit the surf. The instructors would say, you know, we could beat the crap out of you in Coronado, which we did by one of the nicest hotels and beaches in the world. Out here, no one can hear you scream. There's no one there. And the instructors have you, and there's basically no adult supervision because these are Navy SEAL um, instructors, you know, you know what I'm saying? The, the CEO and the XO aren't out there. 
So they, um, you do stuff. You run to the range up and back. You run Frog Hill up and down mountains, and uh, you do flights where you carry these metal crates. Uh, you do go to the range. You'll learn how to shoot belt-fed machine guns every single day. You do, you know, you do runs out there. There's actually the 14-mile run, which is another evolution. That's like the last big one. Um, you know, it's it's a it sucks. One of their punishments is get wet and sandy every hour on the hour until I tell you to stop. Which is messed up, like that, and that's even when you're sleeping. If you're sleeping, get wet and sandy every hour in the hour. It doesn't really matter. A couple of days of that, um, but you're shooting, you're you're blowing stuff up, you're you're doing tactics and fake hits. You get to fly around in a in a Blackhawk for the first hour, a Seahawk, a Navy sixty, and uh, you know whatnot. And people are pretty much enjoying themselves because no one's hung. Well, the students aren't hungover, and um, you're you know you're eating potatoes and and meat and drinking milk every day. You get in pretty good shape actually. This is one of two times I ever actually had abs in my life. Once was right after Hell Week and once was uh, at the island. Um, but the wet and sandy on the hour, every hour on the hour was funny because I- I've mentioned before that it doesn't matter what you're doing if you're with people long enough face to face in close proximity, you're going to get sick of them. For some reason, my swim buddy, and uh, I'm not going to say his real name, but we'll call him Parker with a P. Uh, he kept screwing up. Uh, I don't know if he was homesick, but we're in third phase, man. It's about over 40 days straight. He would, he would like, didn't put the buffer spring in his gun. And they asked him, did you do a, uh, did you check it with a, a cycle check? And he said, yes, they took it out. No, no, you didn't because it doesn't have a spring. And so you two get wet and sandy every hour on the hour. He'd screw that up. He'd fall off an obstacle and whine and get wet and sandy every hour on the hour. I got to go with them. Right. And it's just, I'm pissed off because he keeps fucking up. I'm doing amazing. Best they've ever seen. Not the case. But uh, anyway, there was a point where um, where uh, SEAL Team 3, I think, came out there and they put obstacles. They, they put demolition on obstacles in the water. They're going to blast it. They're going to blow up these obstacles. But they didn't like du- they didn't double it up. You know, two is one, one is none. They only put one charge on. It went low order, so it didn't go off. So you got to wait like, I think it's like 48 hours or something before you can go in the water and uh, and check it. So we couldn't get in the water. And so Parker fucked something up. And they said, all right, you two get wet and sandy every hour on the hour. And they go, and I see the instructor go, well, shit, we can't put you in the water. I got to think of something else. And I, I chimed up with, I will hit him with the garden hose every hour on the hour. Let's do this, which is kind of messed up. But that, so that was it, man. We got 40, 40 straight days on the island. Then you get back and now you're in Coronado. Now it's just time. Uh, get your medical stuff, your, your administrative stuff. We did get our orders to different SEAL teams. I got SEAL team two which I was very happy with. And, uh, uh, you know, one day one day you're checking into Buds. It's one one day you're wondering what makes you special. And then all of a sudden it was uh, mid-December, January 1996, graduation. Buds Class 208 was done. We watched our uh, honor man, the same guy that was yelling freedom during Hell Week, and he rang us out, rang the bell, and that's it. Took the, took the family to Tijuana. <laughs> I did that stuff, went to Montana, and then drove to Airborne. Drove out to Fort Benning, Georgia, Army Airborne. And the way that it worked at the time was um, finish buds, go to Army Airborne, check into your SEAL team. And, and at the time, we had the even numbers on the, the East Coast, SEAL Team 248. Now they have 10. And on the West Coast with the odd numbers, SEAL Teams 1, 3, 5, and 7. And uh, I don't know if I'm being repetitive here. I might do that. But some of the responses were to go ahead and tell some of the stories again. I don't want to bore you. But I also want to make sure you're getting the full story. Uh, one of the questions that I got about Buds 2 is, where do you go when you quit? Like, What happens when you quit? And a lot of people don't think about that. Um, you know, Because you, people do quit. A lot of people don't admit they quit. 
though. And that's kind of an issue. My, my advice for someone is you had the balls to try it. And if you quit, it's better to own it now. Own it at 19 or 20 and say you quit and then learn from it. You screwed up and go, you know, go back if you can. But if, if you start lying about something, um, you got to keep that lie up. And you're going to be lying about, you know, the instructors just didn't like me or something for the rest of your life. Own the mistake, learn from the mistake, and fucking get over it. But someone asked me what they do, and they, they send guys to a, a place called Bud's X Division, which is a place, I mean, imagine how low morale is there. It, it, morale is low in the military sometimes anyway, because you got a shit job. You're burning the, the shit piles, or, or you're standing watch, or you're, you're chipping paint on a ship, or, or just, it can be low. But imagine going to Bud's, especially undesignated, no rate, and then you don't make it. And now you're in X division with a bunch of the, the people that just are fucking negative. I heard a redneck once say, uh, yeah, I'm so lucky. I could, I could be in a, in a storm that's raining tits. I'd look up and catch a dick. And I'm not sure what the hell that means, but it doesn't sound like a lot of fun in a rainstorm. But um, people that are just negative as they are, the negative energy, and, then, and just morale is a, is a dump. So you're going to get in bad spots. And, and, and X division is a bad spot. You're waiting, you know, but, but do what you can. Try, if, say, for example, you try it out for budget, don't make it. Try to get a rate. Try to get a job. Be good at your job. Um, uh, and, you know, just try to advance that way. There, there was a do. I bring up X division because you should be able to. Um, I'm convinced I could step in a pile of shit and find a diamond. That's just that's the way life could work. Keep a positive attitude. That helps. Some dude at X division had a positive attitude. And I laughed at this. I still think I can't find these shirts anywhere, but I'm thinking about making one. Hit me up if you think it's a good idea. Maybe it's not, but, but someone was funny because they were in X division and around Coronado, like around McPee's, the pub there, the Irish pub and Danny's, they have those blue shirts kind of like I'm wearing here, but they have like a trident and the trident is the insignia for Naval special warfare, which means you're a Navy seal. And the way that's designed is seal stands for sea, air and land. Uh, this, this trident is a gold Eagle for air, it's an anchor for Navy and then a flintlock pistol for um, land, sea, air, and land, if that makes sense. And then the, the saying at Bud's is hoo And the saying is, the only easy day was yesterday, hoo Now, X Division, they had menial jobs because they're still in the Navy, but people don't know where to put them. So they put them in these barracks where morale is low because they're seeing the Bud students still. They still go to chow in the same place, but they're like in dungarees at the time or they're, they're wearing their super high-speed blue camis that the Navy made because everyone needs to be special. Why would you want blue camis in the Navy? If you fall off a ship, why do you want to match the ocean? You're lucky you got found. Anyway, um, morale is low, but some dude made a shirt. Instead of the, the trident, they made like a X division symbol. And instead of an eagle, an anchor, and a pistol, like a flintlock pistol, like a pirate, it was a turkey, a bell, and a mop. Right. See how that's kind of funny. And uh, on the back, instead of saying the only easy day was yesterday, it said, and who ya, it said the only easy day was every day. Yahoo. Which I mean, hey, someone someone kept their sense of humor. So that's X Division and Buds. I made it through Buds and, and people were sort of asking about that. Uh, we finished some training. I, I'll get into SEAL Team 2 and uh, SEAL Tactical Training, the, the process to get your Trident officially. There's some funny stories about that. Uh, and I'll get into them. Uh, a little bit later in a later episode. But I needed to touch on this. I posted a picture recently of my very first op at SEAL Team 2. And the reason I posted it is because it's proof that um, that even, even 
Even though you might be really good at something, you had your first day. You had your first time. And chances are you're a fucking idiot. You don't know what the hell you're doing. It's a picture of me. Basically, if I could sum it up, I've got a, like a Bee Gees haircut um, for like staying alive. I, I'm 22, but I look like I'm about 12. I'm wearing the shirt's okay, but I'm wearing like these acid wash jeans that I'm assuming I stole from somebody's mother and like a belt. And I wanted to care. So we're in Tirana, Albania, and it's it's a thing where we're, we're protecting an embassy and we're, we're, uh, we need to protect an airfield and whatnot. And they called us in because I was on the USS Austin. My first deployment was part of a mobile amphibious ready group, which we called a MARG, which is an amphib landing. So you got a couple ships in the, in the, in the amphibious ready group, a flat top ship with like Harriers and, and, and Marine Corps uh, uh, helicopters and attack helicopters, things like that, Marines all over the place. And then you got the, the landing craft that you can take from these ships and, and whatnot. So they called us in because we were close because there was a threat from Al-Qaeda, basically, on an award ceremony. So we flew into Rana, Albania, and I'm standing there. And I just wanted to look cool. Like, in the platoon, we had our, our M4s at the time with probably iron sights, and then there was, like, two Uzis, and then a, and we had pistols. And now we had pistol holsters, the drop holsters that you would wear with camis, but I didn't want to wear a drop holster with my mom's jeans. So I put it in my belt. Yeah. And and then I, um, I'm carrying an Uzi, and I look like a jackass. I also, I'm in a hotel in Albania, but I look like I'm seriously, after I stole the jeans from my mom's uh, 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 dresser, I ran out to her living room and took a picture in front of her kick-ass 1970s fucking curtains or something. Looks ridiculous. I t- <laughs> and I mentioned that I actually got shot at an hour after the picture was taken. And it was true. I didn't get in a gunfight, and I didn't get a return fire. I was basically walking through the embassy, and, and uh, they actually had SEAL Team 6 guys there, and I was so so green that I thought SEAL Team 6 wasn't real, but they were there, and they looked cool. They looked good. Older SEALs that knew what they were doing, they kind of blew us off and maybe threw us a bird if we're lucky. They had the vest. They really had holsters, and they actually really know how to use their, their guns and stuff. And uh, and we we were doing perimeter security. We're walking outside. We my my friend Mike and I were actually talking about um, what you know what a dude because we think we're high speed. We might as well be on like one of those old school golden like 007 Sega things. That's how old I am or whatever. Um, that's how cool we think we are. And like all it was is it was probably a couple drunk dudes because we're in Albania and you know how they fucking roll. They ain't talking all the time. They're shooting at something. So they uh, they rolled. <laughs> I have friends that are from Albania, such as a joke, nothing but love, had a blast there other than getting shot at. This dude rolled by in a car, probably drunk, leaned out the window and shot at the embassy, I think. And that was officially war hero shit. That's all that happened. But I, I, I showed that picture because uh, it just, you know, just because you think you're cool doesn't necessarily mean you are. Uh, I'm going to get into that. I, I'm going to get more in depth in the first checking into SEAL Team 2 uh, later, but, but because of the request, I wanted to sort of give you an average day of Bud's what Buds is like, but but most importantly, the realization that other than like the top 1% of complete studs, most of us are the same. Most of us, um, you know, get up in the morning, put your feet on the ground and just uh, get what you can do. And you can do anything in life as long as you uh, keep putting one foot ahead of the other and, and time's ticking. So uh, do the small things right and success takes care of itself. That's pretty much it. So uh, with all that, I appreciate your time. I love the... Uh, the questions and whatnot we're getting, keep them coming either on uh, at Mikuya or uh, at the podcast, sorry, or at the Operator Podcast, both on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter, at Mikuya also. So have fun. I'm, I appreciate your time, and remember that you're never out of the fight.